Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. Yeah, another round of applause for fathers. You know, I'm a grandfather for the first time, so do I get to double dip today? Is that the way it works? Yeah, okay, yeah. How about a round of applause for grandfathers? Do we have any great-grandfathers? Let's see the great-grandfathers. Anybody? Oh, yeah, yeah. Extra applause for them. I won't go to the next level. We won't, we won't do that. Maybe on Mother's Day, but not on Anyway, I want to welcome all of you guys who are here and watching online. And I want to begin this morning with a couple questions. And I'll lay some ground rules out here. You don't have to raise your hand, and you don't have to look at anybody or point at anybody. But first of all, do any of you know someone who maybe right now is just a little bit angry, okay, just a little bit on edge? Just think about it. Okay, if you don't know anybody who's a little angry right now, the good news is you're not on Facebook or Twitter, right? But this past year has been probably the angriest time of our lifetime. And the next question is a little more personal. Do you find yourself battling some feelings of anger? Like, do you find yourself getting a little easily agitated? And if so, what do you do with those feelings of anger? And so we're in this series where we're looking at the emotions of Jesus. And when you think about Jesus, you often think of him as being loving, compassionate, full of grace. Well, Jesus also got angry. But when he did, he got angry in a way that honored God. And so the title of our message today is Angry Like Jesus. Okay, if we're going to be angry, we want to be angry like Jesus. And since I'm going to be calling out some things that make people a little upset, a little angry, you might get angry this morning. And if you do get angry at me, congratulations, this message is for you in particular. And as we get started, I want to do something. I thought this would be kind of fun. Can we all here in the room and, and watching online, can we all just smile as we get started? So we're like, how do we smile? You, you guys remember how to smile? Okay, here's what you do. You take your little cheeks, just do this. Keep the smile. Okay, let's, let's chuckle a little bit too, okay? <laughs> it can be a fake chuckle. That's okay. Smile and chuckle. You guys are struggling with this, I tell you. I do that as a reminder that it may be rough out there. It is kind of rough out there. But we have plenty of reasons to smile, to be grateful. We have nothing else. We can be grateful that Jesus has given us an example of how to be angry in a way that honors God. Now, when we talk about the topic of anger, one of the questions that comes up immediately is, is it a sin to be angry? Like, if I get angry, is God angry at me because I broke his law? Is it a sin to be angry? The short answer is no. Anger can quickly lead to sin, but the emotion of anger in and of itself is not a sin unless it leads you to do something wrong. Now, I think we probably all agree there's plenty of sinful anger in the world, but Ephesians 4.26 says, in your anger, do not sin. See, there's a difference there. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, don't let your anger lead you to do something inappropriate. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Don't let anger stick around. 
Don't let bitterness get harbored in your heart. You may know some people that are that way. It's a dangerous thing. He goes on to say, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. That word foothold in the Greek, topos, means a place, territory, a room. You know, if you can imagine you're trying to keep evil out of your house, but you leave the door cracked open, that's what anger does. It leaves the door cracked open so Satan kind of slip his foot in there, and he has access to what's in your house. And that could be the reason so many marriages are struggling, so many friendships are struggling, because there's anger there, and that anger has left the door cracked open. In your anger, don't sin. Be careful not to give the devil a foothold. So today, we're going to look at a time in the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus got angry. And let me give you the context here. Jesus is approaching Jerusalem for the Passover. It's right before the Passover feast. And if you don't know about the Jewish Passover in the first century, essentially all the Jews from around the Roman Empire would gather in Jerusalem for this massive celebration, and there would be sacrifices that would take place. And the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that typically in Jerusalem, you would have around 40,000 people. But during the Passover, if you can imagine, there would be a quarter of a million people in Jerusalem. And understand Jesus' mindset, this is the last week of his life, and he knows it. Five days, five days away from giving his life on the cross. And so the perfect son of God, Jesus, who had never sinned, he walks up to the temple, and what he sees breaks his heart and makes him righteously angry. He sees greed. He sees hypocrisy. He sees abuse and misuse of his father's house. And so Jesus does something kind of out of the ordinary for Jesus. In his anger, not a sinful anger, but a righteous anger, Jesus flips over some tables and benches. Let me just read to you from Matthew's gospel exactly what Jesus did. It says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Then he's going to preach a little mini sermon to them. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. And then Matthew adds this odd little sentence, which seems completely out of context in the middle of being angry, turning over tables, preaching to them. Matthew says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Hey, a weird little hanging sentence, almost as if Matthew's combining two stories into one. Jesus is angry and he's healing all at the same time. What is that about? We'll come back to that. But let's back up here. What exactly did Jesus do? Well, he actually flipped over a table. Now, it's kind of dangerous for me to tell somebody this because some of you flip over a few too many tables already, as it is, all right? But this is out of character for Jesus. What you need to recognize is Jesus is not characterized by his anger. It's not like Matthew saying, yeah, this is the fourth table Jesus flipped over this week, right? I mean, you should have seen what he did to that Pharisee who mouthed off at him. Yeah, he had this jujitsu stuff. He took him out. No, Jesus is not characterized by anger. On the contrary, Jesus is known for what? He's known for his love, not for his anger. Jesus is known for his love, not for his anger. When you think of Jesus, the first thing that pops into your mind is, oh, he was righteously angry now. When you think of Jesus, you think about him, you know, loving the outcasts, touching the lepers, forgiving the sinners. 
So my goal is not to inspire you to go home today, flip over the kitchen table, look straight at your spouse and say, that'll teach you to criticize my driving, okay? That is not my goal. Don't do that today, all right? My goal is way different. You can get angry, but don't get angry in a way that hurts your relationships or discredits your witness or dishonors God. What I want to do today is to show you three very specific things we can learn from Jesus in this story to help us deal with anger in a righteous way. Okay, the first thing we learn about Jesus's anger is this. Jesus wasn't angry about what others said about him or did to him. Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Let me say that again. Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Jesus wasn't offended at what others said about him. Jesus wasn't offended about what others did to him. Now, he was hurting. His heart was breaking over those who were mistreated. And let me ask you, was Jesus ever betrayed? Yeah, the answer is yes. Was Jesus ever unjustly persecuted? Yes. Did people ever hate on Jesus? Absolutely. But if you'll notice, he never gets angry when someone criticizes him or, or disagrees with his views. If I can contextualize it, Jesus didn't get angry when somebody posted something he didn't like, right? He got angry when people were hurting. So it might be wise this morning for all of you to do a little anger audit. Just kind of check this out, because it's really easy in a message like this. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, so-and-so could really use this message. Yeah, but maybe you need to look into your own heart. Maybe you need to ask the question, what is it that that makes me angry nowadays? Like, where are you holding on to a grudge? Where are you easily offended? Where is it that on the inside you find yourself being extra critical of a certain person or a certain group of people, maybe even hating them when you should be loving them? Do a little anger audit. You know, most people are in denial when it comes to anger. Most people don't think anger is a problem for them. But there's a name for people who don't get angry. Dead, Okay. <laughs> Either that or they live at 2400 Fantasyland Avenue. I mean, anger's inevitable. And let me just be clear. When somebody hurts you, like they lie about you, mistreat you, gossip about you, betray you, it's natural to get upset. It's natural to be angry. But the good news is we are not bound as Christians to a natural world, are we? We serve a supernatural God who invites us to do something beyond what is natural. He invites us to do the supernatural. Bible's very clear that when we're mistreated as Christians, our calling, it's not to get them back. It's not revenge. It's not to hate those who curse us. It's to love them, to forgive them, to bless them. And trust me, I am just like you. I mean, I get people who take shots at me and, and hurt me, and everything inside of me wants to stand up and fight back and, and get angry. I can even feel justified in my anger. But the Bible says that we're to forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven of so much that when I find myself holding on to anger against somebody, there's never been a time when they've sinned more against me than what the Lord has forgiven me. That's humbling. But when we look at Jesus, he doesn't get angry when people are going after him. He gets angry when other people are hurting him. And you don't see him getting angry like at entire groups of people, right? 
You know, all those Republicans are blah, 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 blah. All those liberals, are, you know. He didn't do that. What did he get angry about? People who dishonored his father's house. People who were mistreating others. Let me give you the specifics of this story. He turned over the tables of the money changers. Okay, who are the money changers? Well, the money changers were the ones who made sure that you had the correct currency in the temple. They would exchange your currency. You know, if you travel internationally, you exchange your currency for foreign currency, right? And when you do that, they'll charge you a little more. They'll mark it up. So generally, that's kind of fair. And that's what the money changers were doing, except they marked it up a lot because the people didn't have a choice. And that's why Jesus was so angry. It's a little bit like if you remember the days when you would attend concerts and sporting events. Remember those days? On the streets, you pay, what, like a buck for a soft drink? If you go to a concert or a sporting event, they'll charge you $8 at some point. Right? They'll, they'll mark it up. Well, that's what the money changers were doing with the doves, except it was way, way worse. I read in one commentary, it said that on the streets, you could buy two doves for four pence. But once you got inside the temple, they would charge you 75 pence. <sighs> Highway robbery. And those who were marginalized could not afford to go and worship at the temple. That's why Jesus was so upset. He was upset on behalf of others. That's our first point. Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. And notice this. Here's our second point. Jesus flipped tables. He didn't flip people, okay? Why do I think somebody in here needs to hear this? I don't know. <laughs> Jesus flipped tables, but he didn't flip people. He didn't flip anybody off, okay? He didn't punch anyone. He didn't cuss anybody out. You know, the tables in some ways represented the system that was propagating the injustice, the hypocrisy. You know, it was on those tables that the misdealings were hurting those who didn't have the resources to go and worship God. In other words, when Jesus flipped the tables, he disrupted the system that was propagating that whole injustice. He flipped tables. He didn't flip people. And as followers of Jesus, if we're going to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh, hear me on this, we got to be very careful and very wise. Because the truth is, whenever we feel strongly about something, it is so easy to translate our position into a righteous posture, isn't it? Like, because I'm angry about this, it must be a righteous anger. But just because you feel strongly about something doesn't mean that you're necessarily right. And some of you are thinking, oh, so-and-so needs to hear that. Well, maybe, maybe we need to hear this. You know, I was thinking about this. If this past year has taught us anything, it's the fact that people can be angry and be mistaken. I mean, I've had conversations with literally hundreds of very sincere, very godly, very devoted Christ followers who are absolutely passionately convinced that they had the truth from God for everyone about how to navigate through the pandemic. You know, church open, church closed, masks, no masks, vaccines, no vaccines, you name it. Hundreds of godly pastors, elders, ministry leaders in this church and churches across the country were on opposite sides of the issues. And of course, we all had our opinions, right? <laughs> of course we did. And only God knows who is more righteous or less righteous. And I got no agenda in bringing this up, but to say that people on both sides in the name of the Lord were extremely, passionately, righteously right. They felt that way. 
But obviously, opposite sides can't both be correct. It's just impossible. So what happens? Well, we go, of course, I'm right, right? <laughs> That's what we do. It's our nature. It's just who we are. Now, please hear this. So many people in their effort to be right had forgotten to be loving. So many people in their effort to be right forgot to be loving. The Apostle Paul said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and being right. But the greatest of these is being right. Now, Paul didn't say that. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and say it with me, love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's make sure that when we're angry, we don't let it translate into unrighteous anger that justifies unloving behavior. Our goal as Christians is not just to be right. Our goal is to be loving. Jesus flipped tables, not people. So how, as followers of Christ, can we be righteously angry? Well, first, we're going to be angry on behalf of others and not ourselves. Second, we're going to flip tables and not people. And the third thing we can learn from Jesus about anger is this. When Jesus got angry, he loved and healed those who were hurting. Okay, think back to our story. Who were the ones that couldn't get into the temple to worship? Those are the marginalized, the blind, the lame, the sick, the poor. They didn't have the resources. Jesus wasn't just getting angry and flipping tables. What he was doing is he was helping the hurting. He was healing the sick right there. In the middle of his anger and flipping tables, there was a people-loving moment. Remember that little sentence that Matthew left hanging there and I talked about? Remember that? Matthew wanted to be sure that we understood that in the middle of his righteous anger, the Son of God still loved and healed people. And this is fascinating. If you carefully study the Gospels, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Whenever you see Jesus get angry, you don't see him yelling at people. You don't see him typing a critical post. You don't see him saying, nobody's going to treat me that way. Every single time Jesus got angry, he either helped or healed someone. Every single time. Go look it up. What do we do when we get angry? We should love and heal those who are hurting. I want to pretend for a moment that this story is happening right now today. Can you imagine that? Imagine in our culture today that Jesus goes out and he exposes the corrupt money changers, those who are using people for their own profit. Hey, what's going to happen in our culture today? Well, first of all, it's going to become a big news story, right? Exposing the corruption. It's going to trend on Twitter. They hashtag, they kept the change, whatever it'll be, right? And what are we going to do as a culture? Well, we're going to give those money changers what they got coming to them. We're going to cancel them. That's what we're going to do. Right? Because we love God, we're going to cancel those evil, corrupt money changers. For those of you who don't know what the cancel culture is, let me explain this to you. It generally revolves around a well-known person, a celebrity, athlete, politician. It can even be a business or a corporation. But anytime someone says or does something that's contrary to the popular view, it could have been an accident. They might have misspoken. They might be uneducated about that topic. I mean, it could be that you're just flat out wrong. But anytime someone says or does something that's out of line, what we do is we cancel them. We just cancel them. 
You know, it could be that they've been doing good and they've been faithful for 20 years. But one statement, one misstep, one wrong or sinful behavior, and we cancel everything about them. Now think for a second about all the people who hurt Jesus, all the people who mistreated Jesus. There are quite a few. Let me give you the short list. You got the Pharisees, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Judas, even Peter. They all hurt, betrayed, lied about, misjudged, and wrongly treated Jesus. But he didn't cancel any of them. He continued to reach out to them in love. And boy, am I thankful for a God who didn't cancel me when I did wrong, when I sinned against him. I'm thankful for a God who canceled my sins, but he didn't cancel me. He forgave my sins even though I sinned against him, and I continue to sin against him. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm living evidence of the love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness of a God who has every right to be angry at my sin, but instead he poured out that anger on his innocent son on the cross. And when Jesus died on that cross, he paid the price in full for all of my sins, and he defeated sin, death, and hell. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Colossians 2, for he, God, forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. God canceled my sins, but he didn't cancel me. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came not for the healthy, but for the sick. He came not for the righteous, but for sinners. He came to show the love, grace, and forgiveness of God. And what made Jesus angry? Anything that separated people from the love of his Father. So when you get angry, and you will, let's grow beyond being easily offended and angry on behalf of ourselves. And let's get angry on behalf of others. Let's use what we have to fight for other people. And if you need to flip a table, flip a table, okay? Don't flip people. Our goal is not to be right. Our goal is to be loving. And hear me as we close today. I am thankful that in this church of very diverse people, we have people who get angry about different injustices, and they work to bring solutions to those problems. Because I can only do so much. Like I can can only work on a few. I can solve a few. But I'm thankful for people who get angry and, and fight against porn and fight for marriages. Very thankful for that. I'm thankful for those who are wise enough to fight against racism and still stand for the good men and women who serve and protect us every single day. Yeah, it can be a both-and situation. It doesn't have to be either or. Come on, church. We can be bigger than the pettiness of this world. And if you and I, if we don't fight for the same things, that's okay. I mean, if I fight for something different than you, that's okay. You know, I might use what I have to fight for the unborn, and you might fight to free people from human trafficking. Right? Somebody else might fight for people who have mental illness, and, and then other people, they're going to fight for clean drinking water. I, mean, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe some of you, you want to fight for the polar bears. You know? I've never woken up thinking about the polar bears, but, man, if they need help and you wake up thinking about them, go fight for the polar bears. More power to you. But don't get angry at me because I haven't been exposed to the polar bears yet, right? 
You're just looking at it from a different perspective. And maybe God has a calling for you that's different than me. See what I'm saying here? In your anger, don't sin. We live in a very divided world. And you know what a divided world needs? A united church. A united church. That's my prayer. My prayer for us is that we would be united in spirit and purpose. And that we would realize that our enemy, our battle, it's not against flesh and blood. Not at all. people. It's not against people. It's against the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms is what the Bible says. So when we get angry, let's start with our spiritual enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal your joy, to kill your hope, and to destroy people's lives. Let's be righteously angry about different areas and bring solutions to different arenas. That's okay. But above all else, let's be united in our mission to help people come to know the love, grace, and forgiveness of God, to help people do life with him. You know, Jesus didn't say, above all else, be right with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We will get angry sometimes. Let's not be angry about ourselves. Let's be angry on behalf of others. Let's flip tables and not people. And let's fight to help and heal those who are hurting. That, people, is how we can be angry like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you so much, so, so much for your word. It's like the truths and the principles just jump off the pages, and they're so applicable to us today, thousands of years later. And I want to thank you that as we look at the emotions you experienced, Jesus, we can get a better handle on compassion, anxiety, anger, whatever it may be. And my prayer is that when we're angry, we would be angry not on behalf of ourselves, but fighting for others, working on the issues and and not attacking people, and loving and helping and, and healing those who are hurting. Lord, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters in this room because I know there may be some people in here who've let the sun go down on their anger a few too many nights. And that door has been cracked open and the devil has a foothold. I pray that they would be able to forgive as you've forgiven them, to let it go and move forward. God, we know that you have a plan for each and every one of us. And God, I just pray that whatever it is, whatever we get fired up about, that we would pursue that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would do it in a righteous way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, as we close today, I want to challenge you that look at your heart, okay? Think about what's going on in your heart. Where do you have a holy discontent, like you're worked up on the inside, and then go after that? What makes you fired up? And again, don't push it on other people. Don't say, oh, man, everybody in this church needs to be doing this. It can be your own righteous anger. But check yourself, okay? Go back to the three principles here in Jesus. Check yourself first, and then go make a difference. You guys have a great Father's Day and a great week.